This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. John Jastrzemski Sports Radio 101.9 FM And Sports Radio 66 WFAN It's 8.05 here on this Wednesday evening It's JJ, John Jastrzemski We are taking you through the next two hours right here on the Fang Get aboard Want to hear from you at 877-337-6666 And As we close the book on week five in the NFL and we start to look ahead to week six, we welcome in a guy who's one of my favorites. His videos now on Twitter, the Baldies breakdowns, are like my favorite thing to see, especially when he's like detailing the X's and O's of that beautiful Miami Dolphin win over the San Francisco 49ers. So to run around the league, talk some Jets, Giants, all that good stuff, let's welcome in Brian Baldinger. And of course... Of course, Brian Boldinger's Insider Calls are brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Learn more at Indeed.com forward slash credit. Bri, what's happening, brother? How you doing, man? I'm good, John. I'm, you know, I'm kind of putting you know week five to rest, too, you know, after the Tuesday night football game. And uh, kind of looking ahead to some of the key matchups this week. So, I'm like all the other football fans. I'm just living in seven-day life cycles right now, John. I totally get that, Brian. Let's start here. Tuesday Night Football, Battle of Unbeatens. You had no idea what you were going to get out of the Tennessee Titans. Were they getting workouts in? Were they going to be prepared? Buffalo had looked so good over the first couple weeks. Is that more a statement, Brian, about Tennessee is just really, really good? Or would you sound the alarm now about Buffalo losing their first game of the year? What is it more to you? Nah, I wouldn't sound the alarm. I saw Buffalo the week before against Oakland or against Las Vegas, in Las Vegas, and they were really good. Uh, they reminded us a bunch of people, they start, you know, they're without their two starting corners, starting inside linebacker, like a lot of teams. I mean, banged up. So, uh, you know, Josh Allen didn't play his best game, but, he, you know, he had some drops there. Uh, the first interception was a drop right off of Andre Roberts' hands. And, uh, you know, Tennessee made him pay. But look, I, the fact is that Ryan Tannehill is 14 and 4 as a starting quarterback, and he was razor sharp last night. And when he's not throwing it, he's a threat to run it. He was when he ran for a touchdown. He pulls the ball down. I mean, he's a really good athlete with the ball, and he makes really good decisions, John. And so, even though they were minus, you know, two of their starting receivers, it didn't seem to make much difference. Uh, King Henry, Derrick Henry, gets so much attention in the run game that the play action passes really open up for them uh, in the passing game right now. 
You mentioned Ryan Tannehill. He was a serviceable quarterback with the Miami Dolphins. Now in Tennessee, you hit on the record, and I was looking at the numbers since he's taken over. They're Patrick Mahomes comparable. I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill's Patrick Mahomes, Bry, but the fact that you can mention his numbers somewhat in the same sentence kind of speaks to how well he is playing. So why the big difference for Tannehill? Is it as simple as he's got a running game, he's got an offensive line, he's got a support staff? So why was Ryan Tannehill player A in Miami and now he's just drastically different in Tennessee? Uh, I think all the things that you mentioned are true, John. I, I did a film session at the Pro Bowl with him this year, along with Kurt Warner. And I was anxious just to see how he saw the field, how he was able to interpret the game, explain things. Uh, he's really, really sharp. I mean, he knows what he's looking at. Uh, I think he's been coached pretty well along the way. But I think sitting for the first six weeks last year in Tennessee helped him. He, he got to know the team. Uh, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, Things began to make sense for him. But the big thing is he gets the ball out of his hands, and he knows where to go with the ball, and he's a lot more accurate than I think what people think. And I think that the fact that he's not real verbal, he's not you know real animated, people thought he wasn't a real good leader. He leads by example. I mean, he's not a rah-rah guy in the huddle or anything like that, but he leads by just his ability just to uh, really function and to – take plays, and make the best decisions. He's just a very, very sharp decision maker, and he's not turning the ball over right now at all. Let's get to the hot topic here in New York City, Brian. I think you know what that is. Le'Veon Bell is now a former member of the New York Jets. And look, I'm not the least bit surprised because, yeah, head coach, you never wanted him here to begin with. This was a decision made by Mike McCagnin. Then you got Le'Veon Bell liking tweets, liking Instagram posts that are, you know, throwing the head coach under the bus. So when you look at it from afar, who's more at fault for this relationship not working with the Jets? Is it Adam Gaze not getting the most out of this talented player? Or is it the talented player not exactly buying in over the last year and a half? What would you uh, account that for? Well, I mean, it's it's it, it's such a mixed bag right now, John. I mean, he, he wasn't here Adam Gase's first year when he was here. Um, he didn't come in the off season. He stayed in Florida wherever he was. Um, and so, you know, he really he really had ideas. I mean, I talked to Adam about this. He really wanted him to be like a Marshall Falk. I mean, really use him like that. Put him in at, in the slot position. Do all these different things. I, you know, the offensive line fell apart. The quarterbacks fell apart. I mean, all those things are at fault. They, they, you know, everybody's been hurt on the offense. I mean, the best player is, is Mekhi Becton. He's hurt. And so it just never really got any traction. And even Sunday, look, they, they gave it to him 13 times. I mean, they gave him half the runs on Sunday. They didn't run the ball poorly, but they played from behind most of the day against Arizona. And, you know, I mean, they're just not a good football team. And, you know, I mean, look, the things that he tweets, a lot of players are out there probably pushing send before they need to. I mean, it, it does happen. It, it, it doesn't look good for the coach. Uh, it looks like it's a bad relationship. I don't know that it's terrible. They're 0-5. They're not a good football team, and Levin probably doesn't want to be here. So, uh, you know, Joe Douglas inherited a bunch of bad contracts. One of them was Levin. I mean, you look at what Mike Smith is doing in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey down. 
He's good. You know, I mean, he's playing the best football he's ever played. He's a good contact back. You can find running backs. You don't need to pay running backs $15 million. I'm not saying that Levin isn't worth it or anything like that. These guys can get what they can get. More power to them. But, you know, I, I just don't think that that's the way that they want to build the football team. I, I believe that's what Adam thinks, what Joe thinks. And they were caught up with a bad deal. We got Brian Balding over at the NFL Network. Baldy's breakdowns as good as it gets on Twitter on a Monday or a Tuesday. Going through the film. Unbelievable insight. Baldy, let's get to Sam Donald. We know he's on his shelf this Sunday against Miami. And I feel for the guy. He's been dealt a terrible hand. Whether it's injuries, lack of talent on the roster, all sorts of coaching changes. It's been a total mess. But I think ultimately, if the Jets are going to be as bad as you think they are and as I think they are, they're probably picking one. And if they're picking one, you can't pass up Trevor Lawrence. He's that good. He's that special. Salary cap ramifications and all that stuff. But when it comes to Darnold, has your opinion of him changed at all from when you saw him back at USC and the player he's been, you know, the first three years of his NFL career? Well, I thought he was making improvement last year, John. And, look, I mean, every receiver's been hurt. I mean, he has nobody to throw the ball to. I mean, if you can't stretch the field in this league, they're just going to sit on you. And so it's just it's a very difficult evaluation between the injuries, the mono last year, uh, what he's going through with this shoulder right now. Um, you know, he, he's got no quality practice time with anybody, with Perriman, with Denzel Mims, I'm not on the field. They might be on the field this week against Miami. Uh, Joe, uh, Sam won't be out there this week. Joe will be out there. But it's just, it's just hard if, if you don't get any time. I remember, quick story, John. I remember uh, I just left Dallas in 88, and Troy Aikman came in 89. And they were 1-15 that first year. And I remember going out to Valley Ranch and watching the Cowboys practice. I hadn't moved on to Indianapolis. But I, I remember, you know, April, May, June, Irvin, and, you know, going up against these guys. And, and uh, I mean, th- there was three straight months of going at it every day on the practice field. And they got better. And, you know, two years later, they're in the Super Bowl. You know, Sam never gets any of that chance to do that, to build any sort of continuity, timing, anything with anybody. They, they don't practice. They've been hurt. And, and, but, and, you know, but Sam hasn't played well either. So I don't know where to put the blame, to be honest with you, John. I want, I want to like Sam because I see some good things. I see him go through progressions. I see him move, throw on the run. I mean, I see a lot of good things, but then I see him miss a lot of things. And so if Trevor Lawrence is there and they have the first pick, I don't know. I mean, it's, that's something that Joe Douglas has to decide, and probably only Joe. Let's get to the Giants. Now, we know they're in a terrible spot. 0-5 to start the year. They lose Saquon Barkley in Week 2, and they have some talent deficiencies. But I've seen a team, Bry, fight, and I appreciate that, and I respect that. You saw it on Sunday against Dallas. You saw it the week before against L.A. Basically, in four of their five games this year, They've had a chance to win, and I think that's got to be a credit to Joe Judge. Now, I have no idea what kind of coach he's going to be, but you're a guy who follows the league very closely. Do you see any similarities, and they're coming from the same tree, and that's why I'm kind of going in this direction with my question. you see any similarities to what Joe Judge is trying to do with the Giants and what Brian Flores has been doing with Miami over the last year and change? Well, I think Miami, I mean, I think Brian is much further along. I mean, they're 2-2 two and two the last four games. They're scoring 31 points a game. 
you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Um, they, they're doing it the right way. I mean, they, they gave the 49ers everything they could handle. They benched the quarterback. I mean, they were really good. Uh, you got to give, you, you know, I mean, you just got to give Joe time. I mean, it, it's, it's not really ever going to turn the way they want it to turn until the offensive line really functions consistently well. Then you'll see a better quarterback and all those kind of things. And I think they still struggle up front. Now, they ran the ball. You know, Freeman's been pretty good. Um, he's running it hard. They, they can't, you know, sustain offense on a regular basis. Um, they went up against an awful defense, and, you know, they scored two touchdowns. Uh, they got to finish better on these drives than what they did. They can't settle for field goals. they got to get the ball in the end zone. That's on the quarterback. He's, he's got to play better in that part of the field. Uh, but, you know, they, are, they do play hard. They've got a bunch of new parts on defense. Um, look, that last drive, you know, um, you know, Big Red made, made some throws, and they got in the field goal range. I thought it was going to go to overtime. And he made the plays on the sideline. And, you know, you like to, you like to see him stop those plays right there. Um, they've got to get this offensive line fixed. I mean, Andrew Thomas, and they've got, they've got their five. They've got to play better. They just have to play better up front. I'm not going to pick apart any one guy. They've got to play better as a group. Uh, they don't have a blocking tight end. It's a problem. Um, and so when they go to their two tight end sets, I mean, they're not really that effective. And it limits the number of options you can get to throw the football. So they, that would help. They, they, they need a real why at tight end. Um, they don't have one. And so, but I, to me, it all, it all depends on how they, they, they drafted three linemen. Thomas is out there. Maybe we'll see Parrott. Maybe we'll see, you know, the other guys at this year. But they, they got to get that thing straightened out up front because even Miami, with a bunch of new parts, they're starting two rookies on the right side. They played pretty darn good against San Francisco. It's, rookies doesn't – you just got to coach them up. You got to coach them and do what they can do best right now and put them in those situations. You nailed something with the Dolphins. That's the best I've seen their offensive line play in a long, long time, and that's with some inexperienced players on that offensive line. And you know the question down there, Brian. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing really well, and he's likable, and the guys would run through a brick wall for Fitz. Like, we saw him with the Jets. We know what he's all about, but you know the deal. When you draft the quarterback in the top 10, there are going to be a whole lot of people wondering, all right, when is this guy going to take over? And I see, you know, Joe Burrow getting beat up in Cincinnati. Herbert's doing his thing with the Chargers, but they're not winning ball games. You think the Dolphins are slow cooking this perfectly with Tua, letting Fitzpatrick win with this group? making sure the talent around the young quarterback is where it needs to be so that way Tua comes in and, dare I say, is able to go and hit the ground running? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll keep on the sideline as long as Ryan's playing well, and he's playing well. I mean, they got a right guard. Solomon Kinley is a fourth-round pick out of Georgia. Uh, they got a right tackle right now who's a rookie out of Louisiana. Their second-round pick, Robert Hunt. They were starting a rookie at left tackle until he got hurt. Um, you know, Austin Jackson. And you talk about three rookies on the offense line, almost every place in the league, that'd be a formula for disaster. But Fitzpatrick is so good at getting the ball out of his hands, and they've got weapons. I mean, this Preston Williams is a good player. Devontae Parker's the number one. Mike Isicki. I mean, he knows where to go with the ball. And so if you give him an opening, if you give him an open receiver, he's going to find it. And then he's just tough as can be. He's going to run for first downs. He's going to take hits. I mean, that beard protects him. And so, 
Chagula can be a bry. You know, not going to lie, man. That would take me like 10 years to try to grow up, man. I'm kind of jealous, to be honest. I'm kind of jealous. I still have a cat that could lick one off of me. But, like, like they're playing good football. I don't think they're going to change right now. And so I think they're doing it the right way. They still have a lot of draft capital left. But the big thing is they've got two rookies on the right side that look like they can play. They move the line of scrimmage. They don't look like they're, you know, head cases and falling apart up front. Uh, 49ers have some good pass rushers. They weren't beating them. So, you know, the Jets will zone pressure them this week, and Greg Williams will find some way to try to get to him. But, I mean, this guy, you blitz him, he's going to find the open guy. Brian Baldinger joins us here on the fan. So, Brian, with the Cowboys now dealing with Dak out for the year, Andy Dalton steps in. He's played a ton in the league. He's started games. He's taken teams to the postseason. Do you still look at the Cowboys with Dalton now under center at quarterback? Are they still the team that beat in this woeful NFC East? I don't know. I don't know if anybody can win the division. I'm not being. Somebody's got to win it, though, Brian, right? It's amazing. Somebody's got to win it. Like, they've got, okay, they've got two starting tackles aren't coming back. All right. Their left guard is mediocre at best. They've got a backup. They've got a rookie center in there. All right. I, I think Andy Dalton's got plenty of – I mean, the receivers are excellent. They're just good. I mean, C.D. Lamb is a ball player. Um, so they, they're going to be able to move the ball. Defensively, they're awful. They lost another starting defensive lineman this week. Um, you know, they've lost three starting defensive linemen right now. They, they can't stop anybody. Uh, you know, they'll get a cornerback here pretty soon, and, and maybe Leighton Vander Esch gets back. So maybe they get a little bit better. Alden Smith's been a great find. But defensively, they're really bad. But – they're probably it's something to come down to them and the Eagles. I just don't know that either team can stack wins at any point during the season, uh, the way that they're playing right now. And that's you know, I, I don't believe on week six and October fourteenth, John, that the winner of the NFC East is going to have a winning record. Crazy to think about. I mean, you go back to the days of Parcells and the Giants. Oh, please. Joe Gibbs. I mean, Paul, do you know it well? Think about that NFC East and think about is, this man. NFC East. My goodness. And you know what's funny about that time, John? I talked to Parcells and I played for Landry and, you know, all this stuff, Joe Gibbs. It was like we knew as soon as we started running the ball in Dallas, let's say against the Redskins, we knew exactly what all their adjustments were going to be. We knew exactly what they were going to go to. And so, like, everybody knew each other so well, but the coaches were all championship, you know, Hall of Fame caliber coaches. And, and I know Buddy Ryan won the Hall of Fame, but, I mean, Buddy Ryan could make life difficult for anybody. And so it was such a golden era um, because they all had personalities and they all and their teams were all fiery and competitive. And so here we are. We're 30 years later, and it's just, it's about as bad as anybody could ever imagine. Brett, final one, and I appreciate the time. We're now five weeks into this NFL season. And, you know, a lot of teams are expected to be pretty good. All right there, Kansas City, Baltimore. Uh, you look at New Orleans, even though they had to do so in dramatic fashion uh, against the L.A. Chargers. But all in all, from a surprise standpoint, what has been your biggest surprise from a positive or a negative standpoint five weeks in? I think just how consistently good Green Bay is. I mean, they just keep losing players. I mean, Devontae Adams hadn't played the last two weeks. Uh, Alan Lazard, who had a big game, was out. I mean, Robert Tanyan steps in. Aaron Jones steps in. Aaron Rodgers is just simply, he understands what they want to do better than the coach does. And the coach is really good, too. 
But I, I think Green Bay is a big surprise because I, I thought people thought that they were a fluke last year, and they're not a fluke. I mean, they've got – that offense is humming. So I think they're really good. Cleveland, the way Kevin Stefanski has stepped in and cleaned up that mess from a year ago is amazing. And they won last week without Nick Chubb against a good Colt team. Um, and he might be the best back in football or at least in the top, you know, three. Um, they, they're, they're, this is going to be a great game in Pittsburgh this week between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. To see Ben come back, he's the number one quarterback in the league against the Blitz right now, John. Um, he's carving teams up. Um, some of the rookies that have broken out, like Chase Claypool last week. And it, you know, it's just it's, it's been a fun season in a lot of different ways. But see Cleveland kind of coming back on top, to see Green Bay up there, there's, those are teams that, you know, when they're good, the, the league is, is a better league. It's more fun. Brian, outstanding stuff, man. I love the breakdowns every week. They're that much better when I see the Dolphins taking names and kicking ass. So hopefully you got a couple All more right. of those to do in, in the next couple of weeks. All right, my friend? Okay, you got it, John. Have me back on. I'll tell you all about it. Oh, I love it. Good stuff there from Brian Baldinger over at the NFL Network, and he's one of our Radio.com insiders. That was an RDC Sports NFL insider, and insider calls are brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Learn more at Indeed.com forward slash credit, and make sure you check out Brian Baldinger's podcast, Baldy's Breakdowns, by searching Baldy wherever you find podcasts. Good stuff there. Get to a bunch of NFL stuff as we move closer and closer to week six. Yankees, Jets continue to dominate and why Jazz need to find a way to get a win come Sunday and why Daniel Jones needs to find a way to take care of the football. We're back with more of your calls right after this. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.